This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money to Me. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Candace Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, today we're joined on the show by Omar Khan, the head of Wholesale Capital, and Teresa Lee, Associate Director and Real Estate Specialist from the Credit Fund at Alcyon. That's right. We're really excited to bring you today's episode. Before we dive in, a bit of background for you on Alcyon and what they do. So, Alcyon Group is a financier and multi-strategy alternative investment manager in the credit space. They're focus is on investing capital for individuals and institutional clients spanning across various asset classes, as you'll hear today, the real estate market, private equity, credit and liquid market strategies. We first came across Alcy and Felicity and I at the end of 2022, and we've been investing in the debt income fund as part of the overall asset allocation that we like to do for our clients' portfolio within the fixed income bucket. Reason being, since inception, which is late 2019, it's returned 8.13% per annum. And on a running rate, that's about 28% total income distribution return being about 7.38% annualized per annum. What a great return for an alternative credit and fixed income investment. As you know, we love to find boutique fund managers. So what you'll hear on this chat with Omar and Teresa about Alcyon as a fund, how they manage this risk extremely well with a low overall LVR and a strict focus on high quality loans, which are well capitalized and have a strong track record. Now, our guests today really know their staff. So Omar has over 15 years experience within private equity, funds management and real estate businesses. His Experience extends across structuring, due diligence, and capital raising, as well as managing and growing fund, the funds management business. Now, Teresa has experience in transactions and deal advisory across various sectors. And prior to Alcyon, Teresa worked on real estate development strategies and structuring project finance for international investment groups. So, pretty impressive. Now, as always, guys, just a quick reminder our chat today is not considered personal advice, even though we are registered financial advisors at Shoring Partners. As always, please note this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. Everything that we spoke about with the guys today are based on the facts known at the time being the 27th of March, 2023. Welcome Omar and Teresa to Talk Money to Me. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks, Felicity. Good to be here. And Candice. Very excited to have be here with you guys. Great to have you both on the show. Felicity and I talk about you know, the property sector and the overall asset class a lot with our clients. And as you guys know, Aussie investors really do love this space. So we want to kick off the conversation just by talking about or really setting the scene on the overall sector. I guess, what's the update from your perspective? Are you feeling bullish or bearish right now? Um, I think the overall view or overall comment probably is that, is that we're bearish. But, you know, it's, it's a broad and diversified sector. So, 
there's probably a few comments that we'd make. One, stating the obvious, rising interest rates are putting downward pressure on asset values. Now, the extent of that pressure is going to depend on the type of asset, obviously. So, whether that's office or industrial, you know, what the whale of the asset is, the leasing outlook, asset quality, etc. But it also gets given the continued demand for industrial, you continue to see strong demand from investors for this asset class. But again, I think the impact will probably be a bit nuanced in terms of residential, where you know where we have a significant amount of exposure. House prices were up 29% since COVID, uh, and probably a down 11 or 12% over the last 12 months. So on a net basis, you know, most you know owners or asset owners are still sitting on material increases in value. Now that's also at a time where residential vacancy rates are at 1% or below 1% in most capital cities. Um, strong rebound in migration and students. All of this time when borrowing is becoming expensive, building a new home has become expensive. This is unfortunately likely to limit new supply into the market. So there is, I've covered a bit there, there's a lot going on in the sector. It's nuanced and diversified. So there isn't an overall statement in that it's all down or it's all bad, but it's it has different moving parts to it. What areas of the Australian property market sector do you have the most exposure to mainly? I think you said residential, but I suppose why have you gone down more of the residential route? Our largest exposure is residential. You know, it's $2 billion plus, but it's important to point out that it's largely on the debt side, uh, where, where we are the senior lender with the first mortgage on the underlying asset being developed. That really goes to the, the, the growth of the non-bank or private debt market in Australia and why that's become a really attractive opportunity for investors, you know, especially since 2016, since, since the, um, the APRA review and, and continues to be so. So just coming back to, I guess I want to highlight the fantastic track record that the Alcyon Debt Income Fund has had in the market. So stats again, 8.13% per annum since inception. That's been the return to the shareholders or investors in the fund. So we'd love to know how you actually generate this because it is a fantastic return on investment and talk to us through, you know, the typical loan life cycle and how you've achieved it. In terms of uh, our private debt loan book, it's about it's over $2 billion, it's about $2.2 billion. And what the Alcyon Debt Income Fund it does, it co-invests in the loans that Alcyon originates. So, the fund is investing in a, in a portfolio of loans. Those loans, you know, finance acquisition or development of those real assets, um, it gets paid interest on those loans across that portfolio. Um, and if I haven't touched on this already, but, you know, these are, these are really short duration loans. If you look at the portfolio duration, it's 6.7 months at 28 February. So, these are generally tend to be short duration loans. Um, and once that the fund gets paid its interest, um, which can be monthly or quarterly, or at times it can be at the end of the loan term, uh, it passes that those um, that interest to investors after you know deducting naturally obviously expenses of the fund, uh, and that's simply it. I mean, it's it's a it's a reasonably straightforward, plain. Uh, fun to understand from that perspective. So it's two billion plus overall, and I note on your website you've invested over four billion in capital across three hundred different transactions, which is a really impressive number. So well done to you and the team there. 
if we think about, you know, that's a lot of investment and capital that's gone into this asset class. So if we think about managing risk and how you essentially at the end of the day, make money for your investors, I guess if we're stuck in the elevator right now, give me your elevator pitch because a misconception in the market would be that it's actually riskier to give loans to developers. Uh, So I guess what's your thoughts on that? I think in terms of uh, loans to developers being more risky or considered high risk, it's probably slightly misconstrued. Um, when we're talking about residential loans um, for you know mom and dad investors or anyone that's purchasing a property for themselves, the idea that they're going to a non-bank lender does tend to mean that they're either unbankable or it's you know a bad asset that they want to be banked. Uh, I think in terms of loans to developers, you're finding that. Um, especially with all these um, restrictions from APRA, we're finding that it's not that it's bad debt or that it's a bad project. Um, It's just that with APRA's restrictions, you find that a lot of these banks are trying to reduce exposure to construction debt or just debts to developers in general. Um, So, you know, with APRA's review back in 2016, the banks were deemed poor at underwriting debt and they were encouraged to reduce exposure to developers, which has really created a market for the non-bank lenders. Um, We're also finding that, you know, the risk of the development or the construction risk along the way can be quite easily managed. So, we're reviewing that risk before we uh, go into the debt or into the investment and then we're managing that throughout the term of the project. So whether that's in who we're dealing with in terms of the counterparty, so the builders, the developers, the development managers, project managers, um, or the consultants. So we're quite active in managing the loan across the entire maturity of the project. Um, and that's one of the ways that we just deal with that risk. Oh, that's very interesting. So Alcyon is really involved from the beginning to the end, essentially. Now, on that point, I guess, why would a developer choose to go through you instead of a large bank? Because Alcyon would obviously charge more to the developer. Uh, I think you kind of touched on it is obviously a lot of the major banks are kind of getting out of that space or reducing their exposure. But what benefits do the developers have to go through Alcyon? The most significant benefit really is the availability of credit and the certainty of, of, of that credit. Um, I think, you know, Teresa touched on this just before as well, which is there's, you know, we're we're at a time where uh, banks have actively pulled back from that, from lending to real estate development. Um, And part of that's regulatory, part of that's strategic in terms of how they're choosing to manage their their portfolio. Um, And so that lack of capital has driven the demand for non-banks um, I think, you know, around the GFC, non-banks might have been circa 2 or sub 2% in terms of market share. And now, um, you know, it's hard to know specifics uh, because not all of these statistics are measured, but it's probably circa 10%. So, it's a pretty material increase in the market share given, you know, the commercial real estate lending market somewhere around a $400 billion market. 
And a bit more flexibility, right, as well, because I know the major banks aren't so flexible and they move quite slowly. So I think that would be another reason um, that they would look at using Alcyon. So I guess Alcyon spends a lot of time in understanding the risk. We try to assess a project not only from the view of a bank or you know, from bankers and investors. We also try and look at it from the perspective of developers. So we, tre- we really try to understand what we're getting into and also setting covenants that are achievable and not only there to trip the developers up. So the listed markets are quite volatile at the moment as, and we know that the market doesn't really like uncertainty. But I know one of the major things that Alcyon focuses on is capital preservation. So why do you think investors should look at this alternative asset class? The asset class remains highly attractive to investors um, because I think the key thing you've just, you know, referred to, which is capital stability, regular income stream, um, and then importantly, uh, especially in the current climate, is a post-inflation positive return. Um, And then if, if you look at the credit bucket in the portfolio, the fixed income bucket more broadly, um, you know, on a relative basis, these these are not complex instruments. You're not investing in a stack. Um, these are straightforward bilateral loans to enti- entities in Australia or New Zealand where there is a real asset in Australia or New Zealand that if you live in the same city, you could even walk past um, that form the security of that loan. So I think, um, and I think Candice, you touched on this earlier, which is that Australians like real estate, like real assets, they understand real assets. So the idea of investing in a loan that finances that real asset, you know, the risk is understood and appreciated, I think better than other complex areas where um, investors might find that a bit difficult to understand or appreciate. Yeah, very, very much so. And I think just highlighting what we consider your flagship fund. So, sorry, so, so, so sorry if it's not the case. But the real estate uh, debt income fund, the Alcyon fund, has actually returned eight point one three percent per annum, which, as you've said, has got you know stable preserved capital uh, and a monthly distribution, which is always great. And I guess when we as a consumer who have a mortgage feel the the hurt at the end of the day on our balance sheet with rising interest rates, it's nice when you actually are there an investor on the other side, capitalising and having a return on investment on these different loans, as you've ex- described, which are real assets. So, Teresa, I want to turn my attention now to, I guess, the macro conversation I've got on the top of my head right now. So given the state of the global and the domestic markets, especially interest rates, what's changed in your view and how you look at new transactions and new different loans? We're probably started adapting to the change in climate maybe 12, 18 months ago. So we're not changing our approach in response to current markets in the short term, but more so on a macro level. Um, And we're really working and taking into consideration everything that's happening. Um, but not only just now, and like we said, probably 12, 18 months ago, we've been doing the same. Um, we're definitely trying to take on more, uh, take on less risk. Uh, we're advancing less against the asset, um, especially in terms of LVR. We're spending more time on due diligence periods, whether that be a loan that we're going to be advancing or whether it's an asset that we're going to be investing into. So I think that just especially given the amount of new transactions that we're seeing in this market, um, it's really helped that we're 
just taking our time and really understanding that risk. So you really take your time and do your DD. Now, you mentioned LVR. So what is the LVR for most Alcyon loans? Yeah, so we're looking at about 65%, especially for the open-ended funds. It's really risk-adjusted. It could be less. Um, It depends on the asset. So it gives a lot of people, I guess, peace of mind that you're not taking on um, huge LVRs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think we would probably describe ourselves as a conservative house. We like it, right? And the monthly income as well, which is fantastic. I mean, not a lot of funds provide investors with monthly income. So we really like it. Yeah, thank you. No, that, that, that is great. And um, and then certainly, you know, we, we've heard that as, as much from investors and that it's, um, you know, it's, it's quite attractive. And, and, you know, going back to your point on conservative, you know, it was, it was just the fund was designed that way, in that we wanted to build a fund with a conservative portfolio of assets that were only first mortgage. Uh, to Teresa's point earlier, maximum leverage ratio of 65% on a net basis. Um, so it gave in to investors that comfort that there's plenty of equity buffer in there. Um, and and that ability to, to derive that that uh, that monthly income stream. Now, I'm going to ask a bit of a cheeky question. Now, I know nobody has a crystal ball, but I would love to hear from your perspective. Do you think we've hit peak interest rates here in Australia? Um, look, yeah, yeah look, I, I, I'd say look, we're, 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 we're certainly not economists. And I think uh, it's probably fair to say a number of economists and famous ones of that got it wrong over the last 12 to 18 months, but we'd certainly hope that we're either near or, or or at peak interest rates, given you know what we're seeing domestically and 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 internationally in the in those markets. So, you know, so so at Alcyon, we're not trying to predict rates or react, but we're trying to appreciate what you know. I think Theresa mentioned this earlier. We're trying to understand and appreciate the macro environment and adjust accordingly. That's probably the best response from ours, from us. The way you guys adjust essentially is it's actually beneficial, right, when interest rates go up for Alcyon's funds because you charge a high interest rate to developers. That's a good question, Felicity. And I think, you know, we've probably got to look at the last... So historically, loans in this sector were always fixed rate loans. So as rates came down, which, as you know, came down to well, almost almost zero in Australia, um, that really protected the returns within the fund. So even through that period, we were still generating, you know, high single-digit returns. Um, whereas now, especially probably in the last uh, 12 to 15 months, correct me if I'm wrong, Teresa, um, you know, we've we've changed to variable rate loans. So new loans that are being written are being written on a variable basis. So there's naturally that it takes time for the portfolio to turn. Um, and so there's, there's a bit of that. So in some of our funds, we've probably hit 50-50 in terms of variable versus fixed, whereas, whereas in some, it's more and some is a bit less. Um, so we're seeing that change. And, and you're right in that to the extent the, rate, the loans are based on variable rate loans, then as rates increase, um, that, that benefit is, is, is delivered to investors. So you may be looking at potentially fixing more new loan origination soon, right, if we have kind of reached peak interest rates. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the million dollar question, right? When do, you, when do you stop? When do you change? When do you turn? Um, but there will be a time where, where that might need to be considered and see how, how we manage the portfolio in, in, that, in that environment. But, you know, it's not just about what markets are doing. You know, we 
consider ourselves, Alcyon considers ourselves to be ultimately real estate people. And so we assess each loan as as a real estate loan so and understand and appreciate the underlying risk to which naturally you know we, we you know we uh, assign a cost of capital so what would we lend this loan at um, in the current environment so we're not uh, trying to predict rates and you know and trying to adjust and set accordingly and what's really interesting and peculiar about this asset class is that these loans tend to be short dated loans and again uh, Candace back to your flagship fund the duration on this fund is only seven months so the portfolio really turns over quite a bit. And it's because of this asset class, because in, mo- in most instances, these loans are for the development or construction of, of, an, of a real asset. So it is a short-term loan, 12 to 18 months. Um, so that, that portfolio turnover really helps in, in, in allowing that short duration. Hopefully it's only short, right? <laughs> Some developments take a lot longer at the moment. Yeah, and, and look, I think, I think that, that's, that's an important factor in that over the last you know, 12 months, especially, you know, pre- previously it was COVID and then post-COVID it was the weather in Sydney and and, and, and Queensland and, and thankfully trees are nice sitting in sunny Melbourne, although it's not sunny today, but it's been sunnier than Sydney of late, which which is a strange thing in itself. Um, but but you're right, weather, ha- weather has caused delays and there probably aren't many projects in those regions where there, there haven't been delays. But, you know, we, we build contingencies and delays into our project assessments, uh, which allow for that. That's always great to hear because also aside from the weather, you've got higher costs of basically everything, right? From the grocery aisles down to building houses, infrastructure, the whole thing. In a moment, we're going to be hearing from Omar and Teresa more about the rise in the private debt investment space and alternative asset class as we've heard already. So don't go anywhere. We're going to hear all that and more coming up. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, Omar, I've got a question for you. So private debt has become popular amongst investors, but what is it and what has led to its popularity? Private debt is, is probably generally referred to, especially in Australia, um, to loans that are made by non-banks. Um, and as we've covered already on the podcast, at Alcyon, it is mostly loans we make to Australian or New Zealand mid-market entities for the acquisition and upgrade or development of real assets, so real estate, private debt. So that that's the bucket that we that we primarily operate in. And I think it's grown significantly over the last few years, probably for two reasons. One, the demand from borrowers, 
uh, as banks vacated market share to non-banks, so either for a regulatory reason or as part of changing a changing business model. And then secondly, demand from investors. As interest rates have been low for so long, investors have enjoyed the strong, you know, low double-digit or high sing- single-digit returns for what are essentially first mortgage loans secured by assets in Australia and New Zealand. And I think um, that both the, the demand from investors and demand from borrowers has really, um, you know, helped this asset class grow in Australia, and I'd say probably probably the most, in terms of private debt, probably the most highly serviced area in Australia. You know, most people think investing is just, you know, shares and it's really high risk, but they need to know that there's these other alternative asset classes that they can invest in, such as private debt. Now, why you versus peers in this space? So why should people look at Alcyon? Maybe we should ask you that, Felicity and Candice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but given you've asked the question, I'll try and I'll try and respond. So I think, look, you know, we don't, we don't spend a lot of time considering the the competition, and, and, and it's not to do with because we think we're better, it's just that we like to be focused on what we're doing. If you really had to ask, you know, what, what are our differentiating factors, I'd probably say something you've touched on is probably experience. We've financed, uh, you know, probably close to $8 billion in real estate transactions since our inception. Speed of execution, uh, that's something that, that, you know, that we really pride ourselves upon and, and, and Teresa and her team here, certainly in the Melbourne office, would, would agree with that. And, and structuring our ability to really structure an outcome for our counterparties. But there's probably two really important ones, right, which are uh, property expertise. So we consider ourselves to be more property people than debt bankers. And that's reflected in the team's experience, the type of people that, that work within Alcy and also originate these transactions. And most importantly is is our focus on risk and alignment with investors. So we co-invest alongside our investors, and that and that's a really you know we consider that to be a really important factor that we're at all times we're we're aligned uh, you know on, on the same side as our investors. Skin in the game is a massive tick for us, so we love that about Alcyon. I just want to touch on what you just said there um, in terms of you know. Support Demand's obviously gone up and it sounds like supply has with your peers, but you're not really kind of looking at them, which is which is great. But how do you originate these new loans? Like are people coming to you because you're expertise in the market? Talk us through the kind of investment process of, of establishing a new investment loan. Yeah, so effectively we find that most of our new deals um, are actually repeat clients. So we have a lot of existing clients. We've completed projects with them, whether a couple of years back or even recently, we still have ongoing projects. They're coming to us with their pipeline projects. We're reviewing them early in the st- uh, in their cycles. So whether they've just acquired it and settlements not for another 12, 18 months, we've been talking about it. We've been looking at it early on. Uh, we have some established networks in terms of brokers and also other consultants they may work with, whether it be accountants or lawyers. Um, So they make a lot of introductions for us, which we're very grateful for. Um, It really helps when you have someone there saying that, you know, these are good guys, they're good at what they do and they're experienced. So someone else to just vouch for them as well. Okay. So I've got a question for you. A lot of listeners wouldn't know, you know, what a first mortgage is essentially. Are you able to go through, I mean, where you kind of sit on the risk scale? So a first registered mortgage is where we're the lender on title. So when you do a title search of a property, we are 
there, you can see all the contact details for us, um, who's actually has a debt against the asset. So when you're talking about, say, for example, a construction loan, uh, generally we would be the first registered mortgage. So when you do a title search, it would be Alcyon there and our lending entity. Um, when there are multiple lenders, so when there's mezzanine or second ranking mortgage, um, the repayment waterfall would kind of be all the revenue or any amount that we would get for the asset would be repaid to the first mortgage first in priority. So when investors are lending into a facility that has a first registered mortgage, you can find comfort in that any money that comes in, the first mortgage is repaid first. Obviously, with the markets going on in the financial sector, there's a lot of talk about you know credit getting tighter and lending only getting more and more strict. What are your comments, I guess, in the last two weeks that you're seeing when you do talk to your existing clients and and new transactional loans? Like, what's the feeling at the moment, particularly here in Australia? We're seeing that a lot of our um, borrowers, um, our developer clients um, especially, that we're getting higher quality counterparts. Um, So we're getting a lot of developers that have been banking with a big four for the last you know, 10, 20, 30 years, um, and they're now stepping away because of tighter lending restrictions or just getting, um, you know, kind of pushed back in terms of the projects that they want to do. We're also seeing that some developers that have established projects with the big four, uh, those are continuing, but while they have new projects coming up, they don't want to rock the boat, so they just would rather take their new projects elsewhere as opposed to causing anything that could, you know, cause a reassessment of their current projects. Um, We've seen a couple of projects that progress through credit um, with the banks. Uh, They've come back with stringent requirements, uh, developers needing to put in more equity or pre-sale requirements that they're unable to satisfy. So the developers have elected to go for a non-bank facility for just more flexibility. Because Alcyon has always looked at the project, um, not only from a banker's standpoint, but also from a developer's standpoint, that we're just able to give them a facility that better suits their needs. Um, So we're not trying to put projects into like a box that fits our requirements, that satisfies certain checkpoints that we need to do, but more so that we're reviewing it individually and strategically. That's good. So you look at it really as a case-by-case basis. I mean, I know for a fact this is the case because my family is in property development and they say exactly the same things that the major banks uh, are not that easy to work with and they're not looking at things case-by-case. Now, I've got a follow-up question here. So what would be Alcyon, I guess, sweet spot for your uh, development size that you're looking at? Where do you where do you sit in the market, really? Um, in terms of development size, or rather than development size, in terms of perhaps I may answer that in terms of loan size. Um, in terms of loan size, really, you know, it's twenty to seventy million, um, and and I appreciate that's a broad range. But what often might be the case is that we might have multiple loans to the same counterparty of different sizes. Um, and and often, you know, there might be a smaller loan with an initially with a new counterparty, you know, a relationship that might grow over time. 
so it really varies, but th- but that's probably the 20 to 70. And then within that, I'd say probably average loan size, mid 30s. So for anyone listening to this episode and wanting to actually find out more about your funds, where can investors access your funds? The best way for anyone to access an Allison fund is to speak with their financial advisor. And, and, and surprise, surprise, we're speaking to two, uh, Felicity and Candace. So really, I think I think you've, you've answered your own question. Um, no j- jokes aside, though. I mean, actually, it's not a joke, but but um, but they should speak to you. But but aside from that, look, I think at Alcyon we primarily work with wealth firms. Um, you know, we don't. Uh, you know, we're we're not licensed to 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 um, to market funds directly to, to retail investors. So we always encourage people to to speak with their financial advisor. Naturally, no, you can go on our website and um, and and find out more about Alice and then you know who the people behind the firm are, who the founders are, um, and what we do. Um, but but certainly in terms of accessing our funds, um, speaking with your licensed financial advisor. Uh, someone from Sean Partners at Felicity uh, <laughs> or Candace. So well said. And just for everyone listening, the spelling of Alcyon is A-L-C-E-O-N. You can just type that into your Google search. But one thing that uh, we will just wrap on, Felicity and I did find uh, this particular fund because, as we've heard, very much modest, understated, not well recognised, slow and steady, preserving capital with as in their flagship, monthly distributions, which when the markets are volatile, it's always really prudent, we believe, to have a proportion of any investment, whether you're high risk all the way down to conservative, that is slow and steady and wins the race over time. It's a really good alternative. And I think what is also important to note that yes, they do have wholesale funds, but there is a retail fund that retail investors can get access to. And I'm pretty sure it's available on a lot of platforms. And that's the Alcyon Debt Income Fund. Now, thank you so much for joining us, Omar and Teresa, on Talk Money to Me. We've really enjoyed this chat. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Felicity. Thank you, Candice. Thanks for having us. Now, before we sign off, please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shoreham Partners, as always, today's chat and discussion does not constitute as personal financial advice. As always, you should go out and seek your own professional advice before making any of your financial or investment decisions. Today's episode is based on what we know at the time of recording being the 27th of March, 2023. Now, please make sure you follow us on at Talk Money To Me podcast for daily market updates. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And remember, if you have any questions or you're looking for a portfolio review, contact us at TM TM at equitymates.com. We'll be back next week. See you then. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. 
In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the host of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.